Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. It is seven minutes after six o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. We know the start times for Irish home games. If you missed that info earlier, if you haven't seen it on social media, we will recap that coming up in a little bit. But it's time to talk Notre Dame football with the Fighting Irish football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read all about it at blueandgold.com. He is Tyler Horka. And, Tyler, let me just start with the news we found out about 20 minutes ago that Texas high school edge rusher Logan Thomas verbally committed to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It sure seemed like that Notre Dame was in the lead. They closed the deal. And I know this is great news for the Irish, and you guys already have three stories up at blueandgold.com. Yeah, Kyle Kelly is a workhorse for us.com, especially with Mike Singer, kind of our, our lead dog in the recruiting realm, being on vacation this week. I mean, Kyle has not missed a beat. So definitely go read those three stories that he has up on Thomas. And then, yeah, just, I mean, quickly on him, just to go down and get any player from Texas. We've talked about the wide receivers that Notre Dame has gotten from there recently. But, I mean, there's just talent galore in that state. And I think it's uh, for a team like Notre Dame that has a national footprint, you can't just go and say, oh, we're going to get all the – Texas wide receivers. No, you got to go get edge rushers and maybe even some linemen at some point, you know, offensive linemen. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good job by the staff to go and get a player like that. All right. So check out more information on Logan Thomas at blueandgold.com. Tyler, I want to spend a few moments on the future of Notre Dame football. There is so much up in the air right now. You have, it looks like some outlaw teams in the ACC trying to figure out if there's a way to get out of a a contract that has them lined up with the ACC through 2036. And I know there's some revenue changes happening today in the ACC, but let's be honest, even with those changes, ACC teams, their bank accounts are going to dwarf what the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be bringing in with their new media deals. It, It feels like, Tyler, and I'll let you expand on this, From my standpoint, it feels like the ACC, their walls are going to come crumbling down very, very soon, and it's going to put that conference in a situation where we don't know what's going to happen with some of the teams that aren't going to be left a seat at the table with all the big boys. And, of course, this affects Notre Dame with their relationship with the ACC housing, the Olympic sports, and Notre Dame getting you know, a handful of games every year against ACC teams. So based on what we know, and there's a lot probably we don't know, where do you think Notre Dame stands right now with the ACC looking a little shaky at this time? Well, I like the way you call those them outlaw teams. I don't think I've heard that one, so it's pretty unique, and that, that's a good way to describe it. It's better than Magnificent Seven or whatever <laughs> they've been calling them. This isn't a Western. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting situation because, like you said, Notre Dame is so tied to the ACC, and I think a lot of people forget, uh, yeah, they are pretty much a member institution in every sport other than football and hockey. So uh, it's kind of crazy that a year ago at this time, everyone was saying how the Big Ten was crumbling the fabric of college sports. And two years ago at this time, it was the SEC with the announcement of Texas and Oklahoma heading there. But all along, for Notre Dame, it's, it's kind of always been the ACC. And when those two conferences got stronger, these outlaws, these magnificent, magnificent seven, whatever you want to call it, these are the teams that are kind of like, hey, we see all those guys getting stronger. And these are big brands. I mean, Clemson, Florida State, uh, the Carolina schools, these are big brands that say, uh, kind of like you said, our, our piece of the pie is, is you know, our, our pie, the entire thing is not as big as what they're serving over there. And, you know, Notre Dame, it's never really mattered to them because they've always valued independence so much. And in a perfect world, they would love to stay independent. But getting back to what you were saying, how do you do it if the ACC completely crumbles and you've got ACC games, five of them, every year on your schedule through 2036? I mean, we're talking over a decade's worth of games. How do you leave those on there if the ACC doesn't exist? Obviously, there would be no TV money from the ACC if the ACC didn't exist. So it absolutely affects Notre Dame. And Notre Dame has been strong enough through the years to get through things like this. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I wrote uh, last week at blueandgold.com, it, realignment has never been this intense. I mean, we've never seen year after year just big players, power brokers in college football completely shaking up the entire landscape. I think it's just trending more and more toward everything kind of crashing down and looking nothing like it did before. And even a program as big and mighty as Notre Dame will get swept up in that and things will change for them too, because they probably just have no other choice that, you know, that, and I'm not into, you know, I know I'm rambling a bit here, but I will say this. It doesn't necessarily mean that Notre Dame has to jump ship and say, all right, big 10, you've wanted us long enough. We're finally coming to you. I think there is, a way that maybe Notre Dame still remains independent, especially if they get their own uh, TV deal that from NBC or, you know, whoever else wants to throw out the money. That's way more than Notre Dame is receiving annually right now. If they still get that, then at that point, it's like, okay, who are are, our teams across all sports going to be playing against? Uh, I mean, you can be independent and still play soccer or or whatever it is, but it just might look a whole lot different, obviously, than it has, uh, in the ACC for the last however many years it's been now. Tyler, as I look at the situation, I think you laid it out well. This new deal that Notre Dame wants to get for their home games, the TV package, there were some rumors about what they might be looking for. If that does not come about, that's when I think a lot of other possibilities come into play. And let's just go down that road hypothetically for a moment. This is a proud university and a proud football program, and they are not going to settle for second fiddle, which means sticking around watching the ACC fall apart. If that happens, to me, the Southeastern Conference is not a good fit for many, many different reasons, but you look at the perfect fit from an academic standpoint, regionally, coast to coast, you can still recruit because the conference is now coast to coast, and that is the Big Ten Conference. Tyler, to me, Notre Dame and the Big Ten, they're going to have 
at least some exploratory discussions at some point because you got to stay ahead of this. And Jack Swerbrick is highly intelligent on what's going on. You have to be two steps ahead of the competition. So to me, the SEC is not a possibility. And if that TV money is not there, then all of a sudden independence may not be possible. And with the ACC gone, doesn't that just leave the Big Ten and puts the Big Ten in a really good spot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Big Ten is definitely in the driver's seat. And you bring Jack Swarbrick into this. Obviously, a lot is on his plate. A lot is on oh, his shoulders. Boy. To me, it's because he'll have to live with this the rest of his life and however however long Notre Dame is a thing. I mean, we're talking for centuries. He will always be the guy that was in the AD chair when Notre Dame said, you know, after a hundred and however many years it's been now, all right, independence isn't a thing anymore. We're joining a conference. Can he be the guy to do that? And I know there's going to be a lot of people in his ear pulling him different directions saying, yeah, you should, or, or yeah, you shouldn't. That just makes it more difficult on him because that gives him the perspective of, oh, man, this is a polarizing thing. There's going to be a lot of people that are like, yeah, remember when Notre Dame joined the conference? That was Jack Swarbrick thing. So I'm not making it all about him, but that mm-hmm. is a part of this. And I guarantee you there have been days, uh, definitely during like the dog days of June and July last year, where he was like, man, am I really going to be the guy that has to do this? So uh, he doesn't have to do it, obviously. I think there is an avenue for independence, but uh, it, it keeps looking more bleak along that trail. And if he is the guy that says, you know what, this is good for Notre Dame, because to your point, Aaron, I think it is good for Notre Dame. If Notre Dame was to say, yeah, we are a Big Ten school and competing for Big Ten championships in, in a lot of different sports like they would, maybe even winning Big Ten football championships and bringing in that revenue and creating uh, and restarting old rivalries against Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State even. We've seen how awesome that's been the last couple of years. It is, it is very advantageous on a lot of fronts. It's just going to come to actually sealing the deal and saying, you know what, this is something that's good for us and we're going to do it. He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, and just to put a cap on this, you think about what Jack is dealing with right now. We just mentioned the possibilities down the line, thinking things out, talking to people. you got the negotiation for the home TV rights. And, oh, by the way, you've got an apparel deal that could be game-changing, Tyler, because if there's a way to work in benefiting athletes in this particular deal with Nike or Under Armour, Adidas, or whatever direction it goes, that could be a game-changer. So, I guess other than that, he's playing a lot of golf at this particular time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are the conversations he's having on the golf course, right? It's not, yeah, there hey, you go. For dinner tonight, it's, hey, uh, how am I going to make my student-athletes money and, and make university uh, put it in a better spot? It's, th- those guys make a lot of money, rightfully so. They, they make a lot of really big decisions. All right, let's talk a little football for a second. I want to ask you about the cornerback position for Notre Dame. I know at on three, they have the top 100 players in college football. The rankings came out. Three Notre Dame players made the list, including Irish sophomore cornerback Benjamin Morrison at number 30. He was the third highest ranked corner in the country. You've got a veteran in Cam Hart opposite of him in the starting lineup. Do you believe that the Notre Dame cornerback positions, is that going to be a strength of this Notre Dame football team? Yeah, I know we've talked a lot about the safeties a bunch in the last couple weeks with the transfers in and some of the different things that are happening at that position. 
I think when you juxtapose it with the corners and you look at the secondary as a whole, you're absolutely sitting there saying, okay, we feel pretty good about the corners. And then it's, but this is this and that about the safety. So specifically just talking about the corners. Absolutely. I don't know if it was on this program, a video, or maybe even I wrote it at blueandgold.com. If Cam Hart stays healthy, that's, that's been a big if. He's had a couple shoulder surgeries in the last couple of years now. But if he stays healthy and you've got Benjamin Morrison on the other side of the field, uh, you could leave those guys out there for however long you want. That's a position where obviously the ball's not coming their way every single play. And if they're really doing their job well, then it's hardly coming their way at all. You've got teams trying to attack the middle of the field or, or do different things to stay away from players like Benjamin Morrison, who had six interceptions last year. So absolutely, I, I think it's a strength. And it's one of those things where you mentioned the on three rankings. Any time that you have a guy – that's viewed that highly on a national scale. I mean, we're talking the third best cornerback in the nation, according to these on three rankings, that's pretty darn good. And if you have that guy on your team, it automatically elevates just the overall perception of that position group, just looking at that position group alone. So, and and here's another big if though, he's got to replicate. He doesn't have to replicate. He doesn't have to get six interceptions again next year, but you don't want the sophomore slump. And I think that's a position where, You've seen it recently even at Notre Dame. I mean, Clarence Lewis played a whole lot as a freshman. I, think, I want to say that was the 2020 season. 2021, he was, you know, kind of in and out of the rotation and got picked on a little bit. So I'm not saying Morrison's going to be that guy, but obviously he'd like him to be more so the guy than he was last year because if that's the case, then going all the way back to your origin, the point of your original question, mm-hmm. absolutely. You have a lot at the cornerback position for Notre Dame. Well, you know, with multiple wide receiver packages being a big part of college football, now you need a lot of depth. You also need a a guy at the nickel spot that can handle the run game but also be outstanding in coverage because you're in the middle of the field. you got to worry about which direction the receiver is going to go. So the nickel is a challenging position. How well prepared are the Irish at the nickel position for the start of the year? I think it's going to be – a little bit of trial and error at that position. I honestly do because you had Tariq Bracey last year and you knew pretty early on, okay, yeah, this guy is the dude at that position. You mentioned run stopping. I thought he was excellent at that. Uh, you've got some guys who are candidates at nickel for Notre Dame this year. Thomas Harper, the Oklahoma State transfer. I mentioned Lewis. He was playing there a lot in the spring. Uh, the depth on the outside with Cam Hart not being able to play uh, most of the spring. Uh, and even Christian Gray going down with an injury in the spring. You had to move Jaden Mickey back to the outside a little bit. I mean, there was a point last year where everyone was saying, yeah, that's the future at the nickel spot for Notre Dame. So I think, you know, when everyone is completely healthy, he's absolutely an option to play there too. But you have all these options, but you don't have a guy like Tariq Bracey that's kind of proven it and, and kind of taken that spot, uh, stranglehold of it, and said, yeah, this is mine, and, and I'm going to play here most of the year. You don't have that situation yet, but what you do have is a lot of guys, and you're not going to see. I guess in the, in, I mean, in the run stopping, I think Notre Dame actually did play a lot of nickel against Navy last year. So mm-hmm. just to see, being, you know, specifically about the uh, the season opener, you, you kind of want that five defensive back look, spread it, out, spread it out a little bit, have people filling those running lanes. You're going to find out a lot about who can be a run stopper at nickel in that game. But definitely by the Ohio State game with all the wide receivers that they have on that team, you want, you want to know who is that guy. And thankfully for Notre Dame, they have four games 
to figure that out before the Buckeyes this year. And see, this all comes back to the ability of the Notre Dame front to get pressure on the quarterback because Morrison and Hart and Harper and whoever else you want to say, they can be great, but asking those great players to cover a wide receiver for multiple seconds, it is a very, very difficult task so you don't want to waste these really good guys you got on the outside by a pass rush that can't get after it and that's still where I'm kind of holding my breath right now Tyler heading Mm -hmm. through the summer into the start of the year not so much against Navy that's a different style of football and Tennessee State but when you think about going down to Raleigh to take on NC State Ohio State you know right around the corner after that that pass rush is going to have to be really good, or that's a lot of stress on some really good players at corner. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and that's another position where – not position, but just the pass rushing in general. And if you want to put a position label on it, the defensive ends, you know, there's a lot to be determined there. I mean, Jordan Vitello is their leader to start at Viper. He's a guy that hasn't proven it in his career yet. I mean, he showed the flashes last year. Can he do that over the course of an entire season? Really over the course – of an entire game. You don't want your pass rush to be invisible for series at a time. That's when points start getting thrown on the board against offensive like this, especially against a team like Ohio state. So absolutely pass rush is going to be paramount. I know we talked about Devonte John Batiste last week. He's another guy that, you know, he's going to have, he's going to have to prove it to me. I mean, he was a really solid depth piece at uh, Ohio state, but Notre Dame is kind of asking him to be a guy, a dude, the guy. So, can he be that? You know, can he consistently live in the backfield? Uh, these are some big questions for the Notre Dame defense, for sure, kind of across the board. And it's going to be an interesting season from that perspective. All right, one more question for you as we wrap up our conversation with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka. This was a Twitter question of the day this week online. Irish fans are answering this question. I'd like for you to take a shot at it. All right, so mm-hmm. after Notre Dame plays one of those big showdown matchups, the following week, that game, is there a game that you would consider a leading candidate to be a trap game? Your three choices, after Notre Dame takes on Ohio State at home, you have to travel to a much-improved Duke football team with their quarterback back. Or you've got Phil Jerkovic and Pittsburgh coming to town after USC. And your third choice, a reunion for Sam Hartman as Wake Forest team comes in after Notre Dame goes to Death Valley to take on Clemson. So Duke, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, which could be the most dangerous trap game after a major showdown? I think it's Duke, and there's a lot that goes into that answer, obviously. But, I mean, Ohio State, you have to look at the first month, month plus of the season for Notre Dame. That is going to be an absolute grind. I mean, you go overseas, then you come home for a, true, for a home game, then you're on the road for a true road game, which NC State is not going to be a pushover. I mean, they just added Brennan Armstrong, and he's reuniting with his old Virginia offensive coordinator. So all of these games are pretty tough early on. And then you have the Ohio State game, and which is going to be you know tough in itself. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be a doozy right there. And I just think getting to Duke specifically, just talking about them, you mentioned the quarterback who's very highly viewed. I think he's going to have a good year. He had a great year last year. He's kind of tough to contain. He can use his legs a little bit too. And then you have a head coach in Mike Elko who has shown, hey, I'm going to go to Duke and and we're going to win at Duke, which is pretty hard to do. Not a lot of people have done it in the past. I look at coach-quarterback combinations being one of the most 
important things that you can look at just when you're talking personnel and a coaching staff? How good is your head coach? How good is your quarterback? If both of those things are, you know, check, check in the green, then you're looking pretty good. And Notre Dame has to go to those guys after playing what is going to be a highly emotional, tough, really hard football game against Ohio State. So when you look at it just at Duke and then you look at the circumstances leading into that, I think that's the runaway answer. All right, so tell our listeners all the reasons why they should go to blueandgold.com right now, and I think one of the things you're not going to be writing about as much in the coming days is Notre Dame baseball as their late-season collapse might have hit rock bottom earlier today, losing to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been doing a couple stories a week on Notre Dame baseball as we've gotten into crunch time here. Are they going to make the tournament? And It seems every single week it's kind of the same story. They've been on the bubble for really the entire season. I mean, they didn't get out of the gates particularly strong, and they've just kind of been nosying around. There was a point there where I was like, yeah, they're going to make it for sure, but you lose to Pitt today. That was just a crusher. So there's a story on that up there. Uh, there will be more, you know, what, up until the 11th hour on Sunday, clock strikes midnight, whether they make it or not, you will know at blueandgold.com. That's one reason to go to blueandgold.com. And then the rest, I mean, we let off this hit with Kyle Kelly doing a phenomenal job covering recruiting while Mike has been, Mike Singer has been out, ton of stories up on the recruiting front, and then obviously just some of these uh, things that kind of pop up on on more of the team beat side of things. I've been covering that. So, uh, and then at the bottom of all of these links are the stories that you'll find, whether it's a premium article or a free article. You'll find a link to pre-order our 160-page glossy Notre Dame football 2023 preview magazine. I think a lot of the people listening to this have probably gotten their hands on some of these over the years. It's outstanding. There's probably less on the website the last couple of weeks than the weeks leading up here on the website because I've been pouring pretty much everything into this magazine. So click on that link, pre-order your magazine. I mean, that's awesome summer reading right there. That'll take you all the way up to Dublin, Ireland on August 26th. No question there. Tyler, appreciate your time and your knowledge. Always appreciate our conversation. I look forward to next week. Yeah, and I'll just say one more thing. Hopefully yeah. the Stars, you know, at least the gentlemen's sweep. Let's go get one tomorrow without the captain, but uh, we'll see. It's been a rough go the last week. I was not going to talk hockey or Dallas Stars unless you mentioned it, but I'm, I'm disappointed I picked the Stars to win because I thought their goaltending would be better, but the Knights defensively have been outstanding. So I, I tip my yeah. caps to them, but... I was kind of pulling Same for here. the stars. So, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, at least we had you on the bandwagon. <laughs> That's right. Hey, it doesn't matter. Destiny's child is in Miami. The Florida Panthers are going to yeah. win the Stanley Cup, it sure looks like. So, all right. Yeah, that series is going to be awesome, though, if it's Vegas and Florida. I, like, I, I know I want the stars to be in that thing, but if those are the two teams, it's going to be good hockey. Yeah, so, it must be, must be rough being a media member traveling between Miami and Vegas. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Back to swim trunks. Yeah, there aren't going to be many extra podcasts, I think, recorded during the Stanley Cup final. People are going to be busy, to say the least. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your evening. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Darren. All right. Thank you. That's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Three stories up on the latest commitment, Logan Thomas, and as Tyler mentioned, a baseball story. The Irish got knocked off by Pittsburgh today putting a, a pretty big hole in their NCAA tournament balloon. They could beat number one Wake Forest tomorrow, I guess, reemerge, but that was a tough, tough loss down to the ACC tournament 
for the Fighting Irish. It is 631. I've got a question for Cub fans after the break. You know your team much better than me. I'm I'm the knucklehead Cardinals fan, and I don't see every Cub game like you do. So that's why I'm asking a question. Because I just looked at the Cubs' starting lineup tonight against the New York Mets, and I am baffled by the way manager David Ross stacked his lineup tonight. There are two things that stand out like a couple of zits on a teenager going to prom. I mean, this is a major league manager with all the numbers in front of him, and for the life of me, this lineup is a head-scratcher. We'll talk about it coming up in a moment. Plus, we've got the My Five in honor of the passing of the great Jim Brown late last week. My five all-time greatest running backs in the history of the NFL. That's coming up next, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat at 632 on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 